Welcome to New Testament Talk, the podcast that talks about the first century revelation of God and how it continues to impact us in the 21st century. I am your host, Pastor Fred Roberts. Grab your Bible and join me as we talk about life in the New Testament. We're looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. Um, you know, we have the new year. And a lot of times people make New Year's resolutions. <laughs> um, I like New Year's resolutions. I didn't make any this year. Um, not for any particular reason. Basically, I just didn't think of it. <laughs> but um, I like resolutions because uh, when you make a re- resolution, at least you have a goal in mind. You know, uh, Whether or not you succeed in that um, is a different story altogether. Um, a lot of people don't make them because they say, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to keep them anyway, so why even make a resolution? But, you know, you make a resolution because you, you do have a goal and you intend to go there. Um, and I think that's better than not having a goal and not having any intentions of going there. You know, I, I don't know, I just think that the being more positive is, is better. You know, one of the famous resolutions that people make in the New Year is to lose weight. <laughs> um, they make a resolution that they're going to lose weight this year. This year, I'm going to drop that 100 pounds, and I'm going to be a lean, mean fighting machine by the end of uh, this year. And um, so they start on a diet. In fact, uh, the statistics are that 45 million people start diets every year. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of people getting on diets. Um, I was, um, so I was doing some research on this. And this one set website said that uh, there are nine diets that are the, the current fad, all right? So the current fads of diets are broken down into nine different types. The first one is called intermittent fasting. That's where you eat whatever you want to, but you only do it in a certain period of time. Uh, so you, you like eat, um, well, reasonable. <laughs> Obviously, you don't, you don't go crazy, but... You eat reasonable amount of, of uh, calories in like an eight-hour period of time, and then the rest of the time you don't have anything. You just have, uh, you know, like coffee, water, you know, stuff like that. Black coffee, not not cream and sugar. Just, just, you know, no, no substance to it. You can drink water. You can, you know, zero all that. Yeah. So zero calories for the remainder of that time, but you can't eat anything during that time. So that's why it's called intermittent fasting. Then you have the Mediterranean diet, which I guess is, is big in some circles, uh, where you eat things that you know they eat in the Mediterranean. So you have fish, you have a lot of nuts, you have um, certain fruits and vegetables. Oh, do they? Okay, so there's different variations to it. Yeah. Uh, then you have the ketogenic diet, which is uh, high fat, um, uh, low, low carbs, uh, so zero to you know very low carbs, and then um, you have a lot of fat um, and some protein as well. Um, so that's the ketogenic diet, and the basics of that is you you throw your body into ketosis so that you're burning fat uh, for your energy rather than sugars, which is what the body prefers. Then you have a diet called if it fits your macros. <laughs> So what you do is you plan on how many uh, proteins and sugars and um, uh, what's the other one? 
Well, that's protein, sugar, and fat. And protein, sugar, and fat. So you plan how much of that you're going to have in the course of a day. And you can have whatever you want as long as you don't lose those numbers. So like if you want to have so many grams of, of protein, so many grams of sugars, and so many proteins of fats, uh, as long as you hit those benchmarks, you can have whatever you want. You just can't go over those. And that's a type of diet. You, of course, have veganism, which is, is uh, you know, politically correct now, uh, where you have no meats, or, and depending on how strict you are, you have no meat byproducts like milks and cheeses and stuff like that um, in your diet. Uh, then you have the exact opposite, the people who went the total other way, and they have a carnivore diet. So they don't have any, <laughs> they don't have any vegetables, uh, <laughs> no vegetables or grains, they go strictly for meat and meat uh, byproducts. So, um, you Jordan can be, Peterson only know. eats beef. Who? Jordan Peterson. He only eats he beef. Only eats beef. That's, he, he won't eat any, no ketchup. Only beef. Only beef. Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> and he lost seventy pounds, and he doesn't take medicine for depression anymore. Because <laughs> he's too hungry. <laughs> he's too hungry to be depressed. <laughs> he's got he's got to get some more meat. <coughs> and so anyway, you have the carnivore diet. Then you have the paleo diet. Um, who knows what that is? Look it up. I don't know. <laughs> the one I, I like. They eat raw meat. The one that I like is the dessert with breakfast diet. <laughs> the, the dessert with breakfast. So yes, I'm going to be starting my day having my desserts oh my in the morning. <laughs> And then there's one called the CERT food diet. Um, I guess there's a component of diets that uh, CERT wins and uh, you only eat foods that have, that are high in this product. Um, and it's weird foods, I, I was reading about it. It's, it's, uh, but anyway, so these are like the nine diets that people are vowing that they're gonna get on and they're gonna, they're gonna lose weight by these. Some of these uh, are more, um, Proven to lose weight uh, than others, um, and you know, and like the cert food diet that's so brand new, it's you know, no one even, no one even knows about it. <laughs> so, um, but that's what people do. They they vow that they're going to lose weight. They make a resolution. They get on these diets. Well, today we're going to talk about the divine diet, because as a Christian, you are what you eat, you are what you consume. So, we're going to talk about that. And uh, we, I'm going to reread our, our passage of Scripture again. Um, verse 1 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So, in this passage of Scripture, we see God's choice of diet for Christians. Um, now, there are some unhealthy choices. Uh, there are some healthy, nutritious choices that we should choose. Uh, we should shun the unhealthy ones, choices, and stick with the good ones. Um, but I also want you to see that this is based on trial. <laughs> you know, trial and error. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't like certain things, not because they've tried it, but just because they can't wrap their head around it. Um, it took me a long time to uh, uh, warm up to uh, guacamole. 
which is bad because I was in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, you know, Tex-Mex, you know, be invited over to someone's house to watch a football game or something like that, and what would they have? Chips and guacamole, you know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that green, pasty stuff. I'm not sure if I want to have it. Uh, but I learned it's, it's delicious, uh, you know, so I had to try it. I had to actually get into it and do it. I so, buy it every week. Yeah, <laughs> you can't have enough guacamole in the house now. Um, so the, the whole point, though, is that God has a solution, and we just, need to, we just need to jump in and try it. So let's talk about the unhealthy choices, first of all. Verse 1 says this, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. You know, there's basically three uh, types of, of choices here that people make. There's, first of all, the heart-destroying type. Um, he says malice. Now, malice is the desire to hurt, the desire to injure somebody else. Okay? Now, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> children are uh, prone to this. Um, and I don't know if it's so much out of malice or just out of curiosity. <laughs> but uh, I've seen my little granddaughter you know, do something that she knew was going to hurt her sister. And she did it anyway. You know, she just did it just to, I, I don't know if she was, like I said, just, just being curious. Or if she had, you know, a little flinch of malice that was going on. Um, but you know what? People sometimes have this desire. This, this desire to cause injury to somebody else. Whether it's physical injury or emotional injury. Um, most of the times, it's just some type of, of injury. Um, not so much that they want them to die or anything like that. They just want them to be unhappy and miserable and, and you know, um, hurt in an emotional way. Uh, but you know what? That's malice. And God says that that's not what we should be doing. That's not what we're about. As Christians, we are not about uh, hurting people. In the New Testament, this, uh, this uh, word malice is used six times. But each time it's always used to describe somebody before they were born again. It's never used to describe a Christian. Now, I'll be honest with you. It's hard sometimes to get along with people. It's hard to get along with people. Especially if they're just that, that type of people that, that really get on your nerves, that just kind of rubs you the wrong way. Just, you know, you have difficulty getting along with these people. Uh, but, regardless of that, as a Christian, we are not called to have malice. We should never desire that someone be hurt, uh, whether it's emotionally or reputationally or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, recently uh, I had to uh, leave my, my workplace uh, because they were, they were trying to get me to work on Sundays. And uh, the, uh, the person in charge uh, did something that I felt was uh, punitive even. Um, you know, something that, that was designed to punish me for not doing what they wanted me to do. And, um, you know, it would have been real easy for me to, you know, take that and, and go a step higher. You know, go to their boss and report them and get them into trouble. Uh, you know, but that's not what we're called to do. Uh, so I just made sure that I, I, I protected myself because I'm not just me, it's also my wife. Um, so I made sure that I covered myself and, and took care of uh, 
uh, protecting my future. Uh, but then I just, you know, quietly said, you know what, I'm, I'm going, you know, I wish you the best, I wish you well, but, you know, that's just the end of it. You know, no malice, you know, it, it's not about trying to get back at people. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't get angry, I just get even. Well, that's not a Christian philosophy. <laughs> that's not a Christian way of looking at things. Um, it's not about that. We should be free from malice. That's an unhealthy choice. And if you allow malice to have a place in your heart, right. it will destroy your heart. It will destroy your heart. Not only does he talk about malice, but he also talks about envies. And he, he uses it in a, in a um, plural sense, like there's more than one type of envy. You know, um, envy is where you recognize somebody's successes uh, or benefits superiorities and even if it's not a true superiority but you see it as a being superior you want what they have and so you hate them for having it you know you ever heard the, the cover girl commercial that she comes out and she says don't hate me because I'm beautiful you know? um, that's playing on this concept of envy that people envy that person's good looks or envy another person's good looks um, and there are people who definitely do that. They, they see a person and they, they value um, outward attractiveness. And so if somebody else has it, um, seemingly to a greater degree than they have it, um, then they hate that person. You know, you remember the story of Snow White. You know, mm -hmm. Snow White was safe living with a stepmom as long as she was not more fair yeah. than her. But as soon as the mirror, you know, said that Snow White is fairer by far than Dee, uh, what does she do? She, you know, now you gotta die. You gotta die. You know, you gotta die. And what's that all about? Envy. That's envy. You see somebody else as being more successful, and so you hate them for that. You desire to have that position, have that, have whatever it is. And again, whether it's you know physical attractiveness, whether it's um, monetary. You know, someone else has more success monetarily, or maybe it's, uh, you know, the attentions of, of a friend or uh, the attentions of a group of people. You know, if, if that person gets that promotion or if everybody's talking good about that person and you just, you just can't stand them because they think they're better than you. I mean, what is that? That's envy. You know, it's a funny thing. <laughs> the Pharisees accused Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was wise enough to know that the only reason they did it was because they envied Jesus. The Jews weren't trying to kill Jesus because he was doing something wrong. Right. They weren't trying to kill Jesus because um, you know, he was breaking the law or anything like that. Right. They were trying to kill Jesus because the people were going to Jesus, not to them. So they were envious of Jesus. The same thing happened after Jesus arose and and uh, he sent out uh, the people to preach the word of God. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, went to, um, oh, I can't remember where. Anyways, Acts chapter 17, before he went to Philippi. Anyway, um, Thessalonica maybe? I don't remember. Anyway, one of those places, he, he was there preaching. And, uh, and, you know, while he was preaching in the synagogue, you know, they were fine. They're like, oh, well, this is an interesting theory. You know, they were, they were listening and all that. Well, the next Saturday at the synagogue, the whole town shows up to hear the Apostle Paul. 
And all of a sudden, things changed. The, the leaders of the synagogue got envious. And so they started speaking against uh, the Apostle Paul. And uh, started saying that you know, what he was saying was a lie, and, and it was blasphemous, and all that. And, and so the Apostle Paul just said, you know what, fine, I'm going to I'm gonna go to the Gentiles. If you're not going to listen, then I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And uh, you know, so what did they do? So then they go out and hire a bunch of thugs <laughs> to go, cause the whole city to get into an uproar, a riot, and you know, you know, they they came to um, uh, the the uh, what was it? I can't think of what his name is, Philip or something like that. Uh, he had a house that was next to the synagogue, and they were meeting there. <laughs> and uh, so they come to the house and they beat him because they couldn't find Paul, and uh, you know, caused this huge uproar. But it was all because of envy. They saw the Apostle Paul's success, and they weren't having that, so they were envious. I tell you, there's a lot of preachers that have trouble with envy. You know, uh, some person that they think is not, not as smart as them, some person they think is not as, as uh, uh, good a speaker as them, uh, is not as spiritual as them, whatever. But that person goes out and, and has a church that's larger than theirs, and they are just envious. And they just, you know, like, you know, how come that person has success? How come that person has all these people coming to them? Envy. That's not a, a good choice. That's not a, that's not a good choice at all. And that will destroy your heart. So you have heart-destroying choices. You have mind-destroying choices. He says guile. Now, the word guile means deceit. <laughs> and it's, and it's, the, um, it's the concept of, you know, trying to trick somebody into doing stuff, all right? So you, you have guile. You're trying to trick somebody by how you say things, by what you say. Um, you're, you're, you're deceiving them. That's what guile is all about. You know, Christians, we are called to the truth. Um, Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, we're not about deceptiveness. We're not about lying. We're not about trying to trick people into things. Now, I understand the Bible says um, being wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You know, just because you know something doesn't mean you have to say everything you know. You know, but what you say should never be dishonest. You should never, you should never try to trick somebody into something. Uh, you should always be forthcoming, you know. It, you know, if you have to talk to somebody, tell them the truth. Tell them, tell them what they need, what the truth is. Don't try to trick them into something. Um, that's guile. Jesus praised Thomas because he was an Israelite indeed in whose mouth was no guile. I mean, over and over again. Uh, in describing Jesus, it said he had no guile. He, he wasn't a, a trickster. He wasn't trying to, to uh, schmooze anybody. You know, you talk to some people and they're like a car salesman. <laughs> I was describing the... the um, uh, the presidential uh, elections back when Trump, Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. And, uh, you know, they said, how, how could you possibly vote for Trump? And uh, I said, well, look, you, either way, you have a bad choice. You know, you either have Hillary or Trump. Both of them are bad choices. Trump is a used car salesman. You know, you know that he's telling you what what you want to hear in order to accomplish a sale, <laughs> you know. 
But Hillary is a mob boss. <laughs> so, you know, she's telling you what you want to hear, and if you don't listen, she'll kill you. <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, you choose who you want for president. Do you want a used car salesman or do you want the mob boss? You know, and I said, I'd rather have a used car salesman. You know, the whole point is, you know, you use guile. You know, that, that's, what a, that's what a used car salesman does. They use guile. They tell you all the good parts about the car. Oh, look, it's got four tires, and they're all brown. <laughs> you know, you know, that may be the only good thing they can tell you, but you know what? Uh, that you know, that's the thing. You know, man, you're never going to find a car like this. You know, uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna you know bolster that up. And they use guile. You know, Christianity's not that way. You know what? Far too often Christians are seen as either used car salesmen or insurance salesmen. You know, but salesmen nonetheless. <laughs> They think of you as a salesman. You come, you come and knock on their door, and they're like, "Yeah, no, I, I gave it the office. Uh, no, thank you." Um, and that's 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 wrong. And that that's that's a uh, that's a bad testimony that that has occurred to Christians. Um, we're not here to trick people into something. We're not here to try to um, capture them or and you know sell them or whatever. Um, that's guile. He also says hypocrisies, and that's like a play actor, you know. So you, you get a play actor, a person on a play, and they pretend to be somebody else. They pretend to be somebody that they're not, mm -hmm. you know. Um, some people are good at that, <laughs> pretending, pretending. But you know, Christians, we're not supposed to be that way. In Christianity, we're supposed to be who we are. Yeah. You know, one of the things that Pastor Forty says that I like is he says. Be what you are. Be what you are. You know what? If you're a Christian, then be a Christian. If you're not, then don't. <laughs> you know, just be honest about it. Right. You know, you don't have to pretend. You know, we don't need to have this flowery. Um, you know, when we talk, you ever, you ever, yeah, you ever, you ever hear these people mm -hmm. talking on the radio and stuff like that, and that, and it sounds like they have, you know, they have sugar, you know, just dripping on, you know, <laughs> and it, and it's it's terrible. You know, nobody, nobody really talks that way. You know what? Talk to people the right, you know, re the real way. Don't pretend. Um, <laughs> I remember there was a man uh, who went to our church, and uh, when he prayed, he was asked to pray sometimes. You know, and, but when he prayed, he prayed as though he was speaking in 1611 English. <laughs> you know, he he would always say. Thee, thou, thy, you know, and, and you know his prayers were were like that, <laughs> and you know so he had a whole different language when he prayed, you know, rather than just praying, <laughs> just speaking to God, you know. <laughs> um, I heard an illustration one time about Peter, and he was walking on the water, and uh, he got his eyes off the Lord, and he started sinking. And so he, he had to pray to Jesus to help him. And the, the speaker said, you know, if he prayed like some of us prayed, he would have drowned. <laughs> you know, our dear gracious Heavenly Father, you know, <laughs> we are so grateful today for this storm. You know, and you know, by this time he's already underwater. You know, <laughs> said what he did. He, he said, Lord, save me. You know, he, he was just upfront, honest, no pretension. He was just, you know, I need help. I need you to help me right now. You know, and that's what we need. We need, we need no hypocrisies. Because it's a 
affects the mind. It affects the mind. Jesus said in Luke 12, 1, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, the most religious group in his day. He said, Beware of their leaven, which is hypocrisy. The problem with the Pharisees were they would tell these things, but they wouldn't lift their little finger to do any of them. Yeah. It's okay for you to suffer. It's okay for you to be, bear the burden, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, and they were hypocrites. And that's not the way Christianity is supposed to be. So the mind-destroying guile and hypocrisy. And then he has the last one, uh, which is the corrupting one. Um, in verse 1 he says, all evil speaking. Jesus, in talking to, again, the Pharisees, um, he remarked that it's not that which goeth into the mouth which defiles the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth. This defiles the man. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he explains it, because the disciples were like, well, what did you mean? <laughs> what does that mean? And so Jesus had to explain it. And uh, one of the things he says was evil speakings come out. You know, uh, in James, he compares it to a fountain of water. Mm. He, says, he says, when you go to a fountain of water, you don't find at the fountain sweet water coming out and um, salt, bitter, yeah, bitter water. You, you don't find that. Well, what I was talking about, like the, the brackish, like a marsh, you know, the very salty, it's very high in, in, in <laughs> biological, <laughs> biological materials, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but then you have the fresh, clean water, you know, that's sweet and, and good. But, you know, you go to a fountain, you don't have two different waters coming out. You have one or the other. You know, the same thing's true with our mouth. You know, a Christian, a Christian shouldn't have, you know, clean, pure uh, words some of the time and then the other time foul, corrupt, evil speaking because both of those come from the heart you know Jesus was talking about this and he said you will be judged by every idle word I mean the word that you don't even plan on saying is what's going to judge you when you stand before the Lord um, because those are what comes from the heart I remember um, my sister in law, <laughs> um, brought some friends home from college, and um, one of them stepped out, out on the porch to make a phone call, and my mother-in-law went out there, and she was using some some not good language, and um, you know, she just looked at her and, and went back ate back in, and this girl feeling bad went and talked to her and said, I, I I'm sorry for saying that. And she says, you know, the issue isn't that, that you said that. The issue is that it's coming from your heart. You know, these things come from your heart. You know, if we cleanse our heart, then that which comes from us is going to be pure and good and right. And that's what the Bible's talking about here. He's talking about that uh, evil speakings. Evil speakings talks about defamation. You're saying bad things about somebody. You're saying hurtful things or, or even uh, uh, evil things about a person. You know, again, we don't have to do that. The things we say may be true, but we don't have to say everything that's true. Yeah. It's not up to us to point out somebody's failings to everybody. It's not up to us to make sure everybody understands the, the, <laughs> the, 
the reality of this individual. You know, <laughs> we don't have to do that. Right. You know, that's not our job. You know, let somebody else take that job. As a Christian, you know what? I'm not going to say anything bad about them. Mm-hmm. If I can't say anything good, I'm not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, if I can't say something good, just zip. You know, yeah. Do you know this person? I do know that person. What do you think? I think I know that person. <laughs> you know, that's that's all you have to say. I think, yeah, I think I do know that person. <laughs> you know, you don't have to get into your opinions. Um, you know, just move on. Just move on. Um, that's what I was talking about. Look at Ephesians chapter four. Uh, let me. If you don't want to turn there, I'll just read it for you. But Ephesians chapter four deals with this so well, beginning at verse number twenty-nine. <clears throat> the Bible says this: Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Now I'm going to stop right there. The two opposite words here are corrupt and edifying. Okay, those are the two opposites. Corrupt means to break down. You know, something is corrupted. Rust is a corruption. Uh, mold, mildew, fungus is a corruption. Okay, all that is the breaking down of substances. All right, so corrupt communication is, is when I say something that breaks something down. Okay, but he says what I am supposed to say is that which is good to the use of edifying. You know, Edifying means to build up, you know, so my speech should never be corrupt. It shouldn't be breaking anything down, but it should be edifying, building up, all right? So continue going. Um, That it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and, and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, Christians, we are not to be full of this corrupt communication. We are to be full of edifying, lifting people up. Thank you for joining us on New Testament Talk. New Testament Talk is a publication of New Testament Baptist Church in Manchester Center, Vermont. If you would like to talk with us in person, visit our Facebook page, New Testament Baptist Church NTBC. That's New Testament Baptist Church NTBC. Until next time, this is Pastor Fred Roberts reminding you of the greatest truth of the New Testament. The truth can be known. God wants you to know it. And when you receive it, you will be saved. The truth is this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.